What's up, everybody? Coming to you straight out of the DBTH sound room, we're bringing you another episode of the Music Podcast Deluxe. That's right, Muck and Dre are back, baby, and we're ready to blow your mind. Woo! In season two, we're going to keep doing what we do best, and that's talking about concerts, records, experiences, and everything in between. Make sure you stay up to date by hitting subscribe, because we're going to have some kick-ass guests coming your way. So stay a while and make some time for music. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 14 of the Music Podcast Deluxe. I'm excited today. I'm excited for what we got to talk about today. I'm excited because we just had a great episode with Johnny from Seven Day Sons on our last podcast. He came on and talked about some albums on our On Top episode. If you haven't checked it out, go ahead, check out episode 13. And while you're at it, you might as well hit subscribe. So you don't miss the next episode, but as for today, what do we got today? Today we're getting funky. Getting funky. Going back, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the history of funk, some of the artists, and kind of how it inspires us. And I think that uh, even today, when uh, in our everyday jams, we we get that that funk just creeps up. You know, it uh, it's kind of how we get into practice, and it's kind of how we start the night. We find it you know pretty easy to get in the groove. Yeah, once we get in that pocket, it's easy to just to stay in that pocket. I feel like a big reason why we chose to do a funk episode, I mean, we might as well tell them, we watched that BBC documentary, uh, The Story of Funk, One Nation Under a Groove. If you guys haven't checked it out, it's a one-hour thing, it's on YouTube, go check it out. The Story of Funk, One Nation Under a Groove. I've all, Like you said, every time we jam, we kind of have that funky undertone. I always thought maybe we're more of like a rock band. But there's some funk underneath that, for sure. And especially when we just kind of freestyle jam. But until recently, until I seen the documentary, and it kind of put everything in perspective for me, and gave me a little bit of that history, and it caused me to go and read up on it and educate myself, basically, I now have a newfound kind of respect for it. Let's kind of start at the beginning, like the, the early days of funk. Now, a lot of music coming out of the United States... Um, and a lot of black music coming out of the United States was just generally associated to jazz. And at the time, that was really the only form of music that the the black community could get to them. Yeah, and which made it all that much more important, you know. And and, and so much black music that came after, like you said, they just had its roots there. And it was important for a couple reasons. And we were talking about this before. The nightclubs that opened up as a result of jazz music and big band, bebop, and like the young black urban kids coming out to like bump and grind and like, you know, hook up and meet new people and exchange stories. Picture a world with no internet. Yeah. And I mean, we take that for granted, right? We just go Google the next show coming to town and go check it out. Like these, we're talking about a time where that didn't exist. You have to look for the flyers. You have to listen to the word of mouth. And you have to get out there and be involved. You wouldn't know that the person standing next to you is a musician unless you asked them. You wouldn't know that this person has a vision because you wouldn't have had time to have that conversation with them. Yeah, it, it, it's really so fundamental and so important. You see where music is placed at this time when you really understand how much power it had and how it really did mold young minds. And I mean, the second one we were talking about was this element of improvisation that jazz has to push those limits, you know, and put together certain rhythms that they didn't before. 
And with that combined with that African influence and that kind of tribal element, well, it's not too much a stretch to see how funk came from that. And we're talking at its root, kind of that bongo rhythm on the drums, right? Totally. Boom, that one, you know? And then from there, we get this evolution. Is it evolution or evolution? I'm okay with either. This evolution of gospel to soul music, soul music to kind of Motown, right? Jazz found its place in Harlem. And then you in Detroit, you had this Motown sound going on, which was like this really poppy, bright music with these beautiful melodies, you know? We're, we're talking about the 60s or the early 60s. That's right. 50s too, 50s too. What a time. I can't I can't imagine living in a time where every new or every piece of new music coming out or every genre coming out was mind-blowingly different and pushed boundaries. I know. It's so exciting to think about it and like again, no being able to scroll through thousands of songs just to find what you're feeling like listening to. Like when you got a record, you listen to it and you listen to it good. Yeah, and a lot of these artists that were discovered were pretty much discovered by accident, right? You go to a show, a friend tells you to come check something out. You get someone hands you a a vinyl to listen to. You pick it up here or there. Like these were all more or less word of mouth run-ins, right? For a lot of people. I went went to Detroit recently. That's right. I went for the good reason to go to see Studio A at Hitsville, USA, the first Motown recording studio. And you're, you're, you're standing in that room and you look over and they tell you, you know, Stevie Wonder played on that piano and played on that drum set. And the Temptations recorded My Girl right here where you're standing. And there's still the mic cord hanging from the top. And like, they built an empire. Motown, basically, they stole the number one, like, hits off. Like, they just had hit after hit after hit. Need to yeah, be- so they really kind of captured people's ears. And they really were able to zero in on what melodies people really liked. What hooks worked. You know, what combinations of things worked. They, they had a clean sound. So, like, I find that mel- melodic aspect, you can find that in a lot of funk, you know? Maybe not so much uh, James Brown or Funkadelic, but Sly and the Family Stone and Earth, Wind and Fire. Like, you can hear that Motown influence, definitely. What's the name of the song? I forget. Cold Sweat. In a cold sweat! Doesn't he just scream random shit a lot of times? Say the back! <laughs> so that was uh that was a pretty poor James Brown impression, but we're uh I keep laughing. Look, if you want a good James Brown impression, go check out Eddie Murphy's Delirious. It's fantastic. He's really good job. He nails it. Yeah. So we're gonna start with uh with James Brown as kind of the Well we're not starting with James Brown, we're continuing. We're with continuing James Brown. on the one. On the one, dude. On the one. And you know, okay, so wait, look, look, we're just talking about Motown, all right? That was one where soul went. That was one branch of where soul went. Uh, James Brown took soul, right? And he fucked it. (laughs) That's basically it. And he had sex with soul, all right? Once he was done with soul, there was this evolution that took place, right? You have cold sweat. That was his first, or so they say, his first identifiably funk song. It had this in-your-face kind of multi-rhythmic syncopated drum beat. And he basically turned the whole band into a drum. 
to top it off, he doesn't even really sing on that track. He just screams a bunch of stuff at uh, random times. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because it's on it's on beat with no, the song. No, his voice is a drum as well. Ha! Yeah. It's those punctuated kind of like... And that, that groove just gets you into the... It's, it's just so hard to explain. I mean, Prince puts it well. He says, if you can describe it, it ain't funky. And that's a lot of... That explains a lot of what I'm trying to say here. It's a feeling, you know, and James Brown comes on, and I don't know if you've ever been on a dance floor when James Brown comes on, but you start moving in all kinds of different ways. You just feel different. It's an attitude. It's not just the music. It really lifts you up, right? And that's the funk. And it's because of that that syncopated drum, that bongo beat, like I said before, that it it picks you off your feet and it makes you feel good. Yeah. And it gives you that emotional response that forces you, even like if you didn't want to get up, you're going to get up and enjoy the music. Good fucking point. And it's like a walk down the street on a sunny fucking day. I'm the shit kind of like attitude, you know, I, I, it's a feel great mood. And that was the power of funk music, the ability to unite people regardless of the situation. No, that's right. I mean, you can picture a bunch of people piling into a nightclub and just grooving to that fucking James Brown drum beat. It's just so perfect. It's like a heartbeat. You know, it's this innate kind of feel. You, you can't help but move. And then on top of that, it was also kind of labeled as the the poster music for a lot of the black movements in America. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. This united front they were able to put forward it's kind of like the music fueled the movement and the movement fueled the music you had james brown i mean after martin luther king died they said they spoke about this in the documentary say it loud i'm black and i'm proud to see somebody with so much fame and so much power say that you don't have to feel embarrassed or ashamed of who you are i mean i can't help but feel like music today would never be able to accomplish something that's that grand in scale you're talking about uh, an entire culture of people. Yeah, and an an entire real societal shift, mm-hmm. which was largely driven by music. So you had James Brown on one front, that a lot would say was kind of a control freak. <laughs> he liked to tell each musician exactly how he heard the song in his head. So it was very one-man driven. You move from that... And you go to Sly and the Family Stone. And we're talking one man driven at like big band scale. It wasn't uh, it wasn't four people playing in a rock band, right? No, no, no. It could it could potentially be twenty plus musicians on the stage, but they're all playing what James wanted to hear. So you have James Brown saying, "I'm black and I'm proud." It's like you're an individual. Stand up for yourself. Then you have Sly and the Family Stone. That's kind of like you know, we are everyday people. <laughs> That's one of the lyrics, you know, and like, we are all together here. You had women trumpet players in the band. You had white people in the band. You know, it it was a very much, let's all come together. Let's get along. For the music. Yes, absolutely. But also in the same way, they're telling everybody else. So it was, it was also a huge society movement. Let's all be one. Kind of that hippie mentality. Well, exactly. And, And I mean, Sly had a really important job when they played Woodstock, I feel. Well, I mean... At Woodstock, it was kind of a test for funk, right? Could could funk stand the masses? And I think that uh, any any musician that can wake 
How many hundred thousand people? 500,000 people. Yeah. Up from the dead, which is what I call borderline overdose and uh, alcoholism. I know. I talk about an obstacle. Sly and the Family Stone played a 3 a.m. time slot at Woodstock. Would you have gotten up? If, if we were... Let's just put ourselves in Fuck that position. you're right. I would have gotten up, dude. Imagine. How can you help it, man? How can you help it? You got that funk groove just kind of waking you up from your LSD haze. <laughs> Because, I mean, let's be honest, like, we're talking Woodstock here. Yeah, yeah. Psychedelics. If not LSD, acid, they're definitely smoking weed. And this was at a time where Jefferson Airplane, Hendrix, I mean, we're talking some really psych rock bands are playing Woodstock. And then you have Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah, at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Fuck, man. And they had everybody chanting, man. It's just unreal. Those people there, I wonder if they knew how lucky they were. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about how lucky they were. It's kind of cool to have our perspective and to look back on that as history. It's it's really interesting because we get the whole... The, the entire piece we, of We the get pe- the picture on the outside. They never saw it from the outside. And you very seldomly appreciate it when you're there, standing there. Well, I mean, let's, let's, let's put ourselves in their shoes today. What are people going to say in 30 years? Like, I don't feel like... It's even compared, like, I don't feel like people in the future will be wishing that they were around for our music today. I can, that's that's I can, fair. But I can really see somebody wishing they were around at the beginning of the internet or at first stage technological advances, you know, like our the, smartphones, for example. The marker's changed, right? The marker has really changed. And like we say how powerful this music was and we can talk about how much up. Uh, an effect it had on society, but I really do feel in the internet age, music has taken a back seat for young people. At the very least, I still am completely moved by it, and I still feel it's like super important. That's why you gotta make some fucking time for music. Every it's day, so important. Every damn day. It's it's interesting because art and music will kind of never go away. It will just be there for people to enjoy. Exactly. Right? And all the, like our smartphones eventually are going to vanish, and that's it. Yeah, there'll be something else. There mm-hmm. always is something else. Let's get back on track here. So, wow, we really took a fucking detour, eh? Yeah, a complete detour. Sly and the Family Stone had women in their band. They had white guys in their band. I had read stories about how people had heard, oh, this sick trumpet solo. And then they get there live at the show, and they look at the stage, and it's a woman playing. So, they were very much on the forefront of sociological advancement. And also, they brought that style to funk, too, the way they dressed. And then, I mean, it's just a natural progression from Sly and the Family Stone to Funkadelic. Right. They really encompass the style into their music as well, but went a completely psychedelic way. Yes. In that way, it's kind of unnatural. So it's an unnatural progression to funk- Funkadelic. I mean, I mean, largely driven by George Clinton, and he had... Funkadelic was his more psychedelic funk project. And then he had another band, Parliament, which was much more a mainstream, lyric, melody-driven style of funk. So, in a sense, George Clinton just kind of went for it, right? He started up a whole bunch of different projects. Yeah. Each touching on very different aspects that he wanted to create music for. Yeah, and he kind of like spun a solo project for a number of his musicians who were Really incredible musicians. Like, honestly, I would put Eddie Hazel. He played guitar on a lot of Funkadelic albums. I would put him up against all the greats. Really? The Claptons, 
the fucking uh, Hendrix, uh, Jimmy Page. He was an exceptional guitarist. He's the guitarist that uh, that plays on Maggot Brain. That's right. He's fantastic. Yeah, like what a soloist. It, it, it's it was very unlike funk music at that time to have those elements of rock and roll. It was almost like George Clinton was proving, hey, funk could fill up stadiums. You know, funk could have those big rock type shows, and he was very elaborate in his stage setup and his set list. For that matter, they played three, four hour shows. Well, if you take some of his musicians, right, and you isolate some of their solos and you make people listen to them side by side with the greats, you probably wouldn't be able to tell them apart. I wouldn't think so. Um, there's a lot of elements that, that really take you back like, holy shit, this musician is amazing on their own. But you combine all that together and it just makes for a really incredible listening experience. I mean, I just picture it. And at one point in the 70s, Parliament and Funkadelic had gotten merged together. And they were touring as that ensemble. Yeah, it, might, it, just, it must have just made everything easier, right? Well, yeah, they were just calling it P-Funk yeah. at that point. A, a fun fact, 1997, 15 members of Parliament Funkadelic got uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. To give you an idea of how recognized that was in the 70s. That is a fun fact. You learn something new every day. Over here at the Music Podcast Deluxe, we do not stop. The breakthrough of funk to household, everyday families wasn't Parliament, right? That was more of the uh, the underground, independent music labels. Yeah, it was still much more like an urban phenomenon, you know, like was happening in the cities type thing. Right, and then you look at something like Earth, Wind & Fire, who were 100% mainstream music at the time. Yeah, like total middle-class families would would throw on Earth, Wind & Fire with the kids, type thing you can picture it it was much more a uh, household name it was accessible totally i, I mean accessible is the perfect word because th- that's kind of what motown did for black music and i feel like earth wind and fire accomplished that same thing for funk and i mean not to say that they were mainstream in a bad way either this was a elite set of musicians here they had one of the best stage shows of the 70s we're talking about uh Smoke, mirrors, lasers, balloons, uh, the works, right? I think even pyramids on stage. Yeah, and not to take away from their live set, but even their studio albums, some of them are the most well-recorded records you'd hear coming out of the U.S. Yeah, I, w- I would put it up there with Songs of the Key of Life or like Fleetwood Mac's Rumors as some of the most important music coming out of the United States. And then, how did we put it? Disco pretty much crushed them. Sucked the life. Yeah, from funk. The corporations found a way to uh, make a computer play drums, basically. Uh, And instead of having an accent on the one and this great, colorful, kind of syncopated beat, you had the dance. Still had some really cool funk bass lines. And there's a lot of disco music that I do like. I'm a Diana Ross fan. There was... Some there, you could see Earth, Wind & Fire went into disco too. There were some good disco tracks there too. So I'm not going to shit on the whole genre, but it did kind of flatten funk music because it just took over the nightclubs. And that funky groove is still identifiable to us even today. Like we were saying, like it's, it's pretty much a staple of some of the music we like. And there's a lot of current bands that you really hear that funky vibe, that funky backbone. But in the 80s, you really had the stem of 
hip hop now coming from that. So you had white music taking off the disco, the disco way. Mm -hmm. And you had, instead of this, uh, synthesizer beat, you had samples from old funk songs with people rapping over them. That's it. I mean, you have disco coming out, right? And almost simultaneously you have hip hop emerging. So funk kind of continues. You still got your Rick James and your cool in the gang that had that real pop funk sound that went forward bass driven, drum driven types of songs. But hip hop was actually using those old recordings in their samples. So well into the eighties, you can still hear your James Brown and your Funkadelic, which are two of the most sampled artists around. I mean, after hip hop, it's pretty much an open book. Even today, we're looking at bands like Rage Against the Machine. We're looking at bands like uh, The Heavy, who we talked about on uh, our last episode, where those elements of funk. I mean, Rage had a whole album, Renegades of Funk, dedicated to the funky beats. You yeah, know? They're, no, they're no stranger to funky beats, man. Rage Against the Machine. Take away the distortion. It, there's a funk undertone to almost every track. Every, every track, yeah. And uh, that's huge. That's part of the music that we grew up to. So funk is there and, it's, we'll all, and it will always be there for us. You know what it's become? I mean, yeah, you, you talk about Rage Against the Machine, but you can also talk about Bruno Mars. Of course. It's like for a lot of bands, funk has become this like tool. You know, like an on-off switch. You'll have a couple funky tracks on the album. You know, you'll have even Blurred Lines. What's his name? Robin Thicke. You know, Pharrell loves to use funk grooves. Uh, even Daft Punk. You know, you, you can see how it's made its way. But it's the fact that that style of music can pick a crowd up and elevate them to right. another level, right? To really make them click with the music and go for it. It'll drive people absolutely crazy. Uh, look, till this day and I think forever in the future... Nothing will get me on a dance floor like a good funk group in any form. Whether it's in a hip-hop song or a Daft Punk track, it doesn't matter. That funk groove just gets you moving. And that's the whole fucking point. That's why we did this episode. That's why we love funk and we want to play funk and I'm going to learn more funk and I'm going to study funk drumming. And I've been completely obsessed with this lately. We, uh, we put together a Spotify playlist. We're going to throw it into the comment section of the podcast. If you want to listen to some awesome fucking funk, that's your spot uh, curated by us. Yeah, that's right. If you want, you just search it on uh, Spotify. It's the DBTH Funk Revival. Check the playlist out. Give it a follow. And uh, at the same time, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Shoot us an email if you want to talk at the, the guys at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The works, man. We're out there. And uh, drop us a line. Uh, love to talk to you guys. Yeah, if you got any ideas for episodes or you want to comment on something we said or, you know, if you got a real funky band that you want us to hear, or send us a link our way. Send us a YouTube link. Send us... Anything. Uh, just send us. And, and hit subscribe, man. Come to our family. Come into my arms. I uh, I think on that note, we should go play some fucking music, man. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's long overdue, so... Remember, everybody, make, make some, some time, time for music. music. It's fucking important.